Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour crime show, followed by a 30-minute drama program. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. I deal in crime. The American Broadcasting Company presents I Deal in Crime, starring William Gargan as Ross Dolan. This is Ross Dolan speaking about a woman named Abigail Murray. And if you can draw a picture from the name Abigail, your mental photography is probably correct. She's tall, skinny, with a prim mouth and a primmer figure. She and Forty became acquainted quite some time back, and she dresses in solid black. I met Abigail Murray in quite the conventional manner. Uh, How do you do? All right, young man, if you're ready to take your feet off your desk and sit up like a gentleman, I'm ready to discuss a business matter with you. Oh, I'm so sorry, madam. Uh, I was so interested in your entrance that I forgot my manners. Oh, well, I can see that. you mind if I sit down? No, no, not at all. Uh, please do. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Dolan. You are Mr. Dolan? Yep. I'm Abigail Murray. I live in Norwalk, and I'm here in the city on a visit. I see. Also, I happen to be a schoolteacher. I thought so, uh, Miss Murray. Please, call me Miss Abigail. I'm used to that. Been used to it for 30 years. Okay, Miss Abigail it is. Now, I want to employ you, Mr. Dolan. You're to be my escort. Are you willing to be that? Well, <laughs> that depends. Now, we're not going out to nightclubs and places of that nature. If that's what bothers you, I'm not the type. No, no, I'm afraid you're not. Uh... I merely want you to drive me across the city this evening. I'm visiting an old pupil of mine, and I dislike driving in the dark. Uh, that's all, huh? Just, uh, drive you around tonight? Certainly. Miss Abigail, uh, there must be more than that. If, if you just wanted to go across town, you could have taken a taxi cab or the, uh, streetcar. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. It's all on account of the letter. Letter? Of course, the letter. The one I have in my purse. Oh, oh Miss Abigail, you didn't tell me about the letter. Well, naturally not. I haven't come to it yet. Well, this letter, uh, what does it say? It merely says that I'm going to be murdered tonight. <laughs> took a long look at Abigail Murray, and believe me, she wasn't kidding. Also, in her prim New England manner, she wasn't particularly worried about the threatening leather, either. She handed it to me, and uh, I read it. Abigail Murray, you should have stayed in Norwalk. Now it's too late, because tonight you are going to die. How did you get this letter, Miss Abigail? It came to the hotel where I'm residing, by special delivery. But uh, uh, who could have sent this letter? Uh, do you have any enemies? Well, I've been a school teacher for 25 years. What do you think? Well, I, I think the police station is a good spot for you. Come on. Mr. Dolan, I wish you would dispel the notion that you can order me around like a simpleton. I've never gone to the police, and I'm not going to go now. But, Miss Abigail, Now, do you I'm... wish to escort me across town tonight, or shall I find someone else? Okay, you win. I'll be your escort. Fine. I'm staying at the plaza. Pick me up at seven. Oh, no. If you want me to guard you, I'm starting in right now. But I'm going to the beauty parlor. <laughs> Have
having my hair waved. Well, I'll be glad to come along uh, to make sure the curl isn't too permanent. Abigail Murray picked up her bag, stuffed the threatening letter in it, and left my office with me right behind. She really did have a date with a hairdresser, and uh, I spent an interesting three hours in the outer room uh, playing handies with a manicurist. Then we had dinner. I had a steak fried while Miss Abigail stayed in New England and had hers boiled. At eight that evening, we were driving along in her car. You know, Mr. Dolan, this is the first time I've driven my car in the city at night. I know, I can... Hey, look out! Hey, didn't you see that truck? Of course I saw it, but I had the right of way. Oh, fine. After all, it was his duty to get out of my way. Uh They always get out of my way in Norwalk. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, Oh, by the way, uh, just where are we going? To visit an old pupil of mine at 327 Kendall. His name is Richard Way. He's been seriously ill. When he heard I was going to visit the city, he invited me to come and see him. Would uh, he be the person who sent you that letter? Richard? Oh, hardly. He has the general courage of a field mouse. Hmm. Well, we'll turn here and take a shortcut through the park. I enjoy parks at night. I would never have believed it. Oh, uh, Miss Abigail, uh, slow down a little. Hmm, why? Slow down, that's all. Well, but why? There's a car in back of us. You think there's something wrong? Uh, motion him to go around us. He's been trailing us the last few blocks. Very well. The guy had fired three shots at us. Abigail let go of the steering wheel, and our car made a sharp right turn into a convenient tree. By the time I untangled myself and got out, the would-be killer had disappeared in a cloud of blue smoke. Those shots. They came right through the back window. He was shooting at us. Uh, not us, Miss Abigail. He was shooting at you. Now, let me see if the car is all right, and then you and I are going to the police. We should have done that in the first place. I want to visit Richard Way. Later. Now, let's see. Banged up the front of the car. Is everything all right, Mr. Dolan? Yeah, yeah. You didn't do any damage. Just uh, dented one fender a bit. Uh-oh. Now, what's wrong? The tire, it's flat. Is there a spare in back? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, hand me the keys, will you? Uh, We'll have to change that tire before we go any further. Here they are. Now, you just take it easy, and I'll have this beauty switched in a hurry. Perhaps I could help, Mr. Dolan. Okay, come along. Now, we'll just take this wrench, find the jacket. Get back, Miss Abigail. Why? What's wrong, Mr. Dolan? Uh, What's that bundle in there? That's no bundle. That's the body of a man. A man? Well, tell him to come out immediately. I don't believe it would do any good. He's dead. Dead man was tucked into the back of the car like a sack of potatoes. We got a flashlight out of the glove compartment of Abigail Murray's car and looked him over. He'd been shot once. I could see that right away. Then Miss Abigail gave out with a startled exclamation. Mr. Dolan, that's Richard. Richard? Richard Way, the man I was going to visit this evening. We've got to get to a telephone right away, Miss Abigail. The police will have to be notified. They'll ask a lot of questions. Oh, murder always brings out the bump of curiosity on a policeman's head. Oh, of course he could have committed suicide. Oh, sure, sure. This would look like suicide to anyone. 
The man shoots himself through the heart, then he climbs into the back of your car, pulls down the door, and locks it from the outside. Try again, Miss Abigail. I've got it. That's how I was going to be murdered. You mean they mistook Richard Way for you? No, no, no. Don't you see? The person who wrote me that letter killed Richard Way. They put his body in my car. They knew it'd be found back there. I'd be accused of murder. I don't know. That sounds like a long way around to arrange a murder frame. Well, let's lock this back and get out of here. Well, quite a ways into the park, Mr. Dolan. You think it's safe to walk? It is, if we walk where there isn't a road. I don't think our friend would leave his car. Uh-oh. A car. He's come back. Out of sight, quick. Is it the same man? I don't know. I can't see good enough. Oh, come on, Miss Abigail. We've got nothing to worry about now. But the man in that car, he'll see us. I want him to see us. That car happens to be a prowl car. All right, you two. What are you doing back there? Is this your car? That happens to be my car, officer. Oh, it happens to be your car, eh? Don't you know it's against the law to park off this road? Uh, we had a flat tire, officer. Flat tire, eh? And you were looking for your spare back there, huh? In the bushes. Officer, uh, I'm Ross Dolan, the private investigator. So what? Somebody fired a gun at us while we were driving through here. You can see the bullet holes in the back window. Go on. I got out and opened the back to get at the spare tire. There's a dead man in there. So you looked inside and found a... Did you say dead man? Yeah. I'll never look in the back of your car. Come on, both of you. But, Mr. Officer... Come on, I said. Now unlock that turtle bag. Okay. You didn't touch him, take anything out of his pockets. Naturally not. Do I look like the sort of person who would touch a dead man? You look like the sort of person who's coming down to headquarters and have a little chat. Headquarters? Why, this is disgraceful. Miss Abigail, if you only let me explain... One might think that Mr. Dolan and I were murderers. Yeah, one might think you were. Carter was one of those coldly efficient cops. He had me drive his police car to headquarters while Abigail Murray fumed, fussed, sputtered, and threatened. But it was like knocking down stone fences with a handful of sponges because Carter just sat back with no further comment. When we got to HQ, he herded us into a room for questioning. I shall certainly telegraph the mayor of Norwalk. I've never before been treated in such degrading fashion. Now, don't take it so hard, Miss Abby. All we've got to do is prove that we didn't kill Richard Way and then let us go. But why do we have to prove it? I always thought a person, uh, well, was presumed innocent until they were proved guilty. And so far, no one has proved anything. I know, I know. And that officer, that Carter person. Did I hear somebody mention my name? You certainly did. And it was I. I thought so. Now then, I want to ask you both some questions. After that, we'll decide what's to be done. You, Dolan, I looked over your identification. Yeah? What's your story? Well, uh, Miss Murray employed me to drive her across town. I took the job. We were driving through the park. Somebody took a shot at us and blew out a tire. That's when we found Richard. I mean the body. Miss Murray, I was talking to Mr. Dolan. When I finish with him, there are some matters you and I shall discuss. I was just trying to help. You'll get your chance. Oh. Now, uh, you found the body, eh? Yeah, when I opened the turtle back on the car to get at the spare tire. Then what? Then I started looking around for a cop. In the bushes, off the road. What kind of a cop were you looking for? All right, Carter, you're having your little fun, but you forget. Some guy with a gun had just fired three shots at us. Did you expect me to parade around like a big fat target? Go on. Well, when we heard your car approaching, we ducked. When I saw the PD label on the door, we came out, period. Okay. 
Now, Miss Murray, you employed Dolan because you were afraid you'd received a threatening letter. I substantiated that statement with proof, Mr. Carter. I gave you the letter I received. So you did, and that's why I'm asking all these questions. You see, the dead man, Richard Way, had some notes in his own handwriting in his pockets. Is there something unusual about that? There is in this case, Miss Murray. Comparing the handwriting on the notes with the letter you received, we came to the conclusion that they were both the same. What? The man who threatened you by mail was the man you found dead in your car. There was a lot of similar chit-chat which took place at police headquarters, but Carter finally let us go. He warned us not to leave town, which was a little ridiculous because I have an office here, and Miss Abigail told Carter she wouldn't miss the fun at this point for a carton of eggs. I took her back to the plaza and went home to my apartment, wondering what would happen next. An hour later, it turned out to be a blonde. I'm Faye Murray. You're Roth Dolan. And this is pretty late at night. What's on your mind, little lady? Don't little lady me, Dolan. Where's my aunt, Abby? Abby? Oh, you mean Miss Abigail. Yes, I mean Miss Abigail. Where is she? Well, the last I saw of her, she was digging a flannel nightgown out of her telescope bag down at the Plaza Hotel. Get out of the way. I'm going to search your apartment. You're going to what? Move, I said. Now, just a second. You can't come Shut busting up. in Where here. Shut up. Where is she? Try my refrigerator. She's probably hiding behind an ice cube. I'm not going to waste time on you, Dolan. I came here to find my aunt. And if you don't turn her up in 30 seconds, I'll phone the police. I wish you would. And while you're calling, enter a complaint for me, too. I know all about you. You're one of those ruthless private detectives. You're one degree removed from a crook. You, you take money under tables and under false pretenses. And I'm going to turn you over my knee and spank you if you don't stop that. Now, what's this all about? You mean you don't know where Aunt Abby is? The last time I saw her, she was ready to hit the sheets for a full complement of slumber. What gave you the idea she was here? But I called her at the hotel. She didn't answer. How'd you get up here? A man answered Auntie's room. He said that she'd come up here, that you'd forced her to come with you. Me? Force Miss Abigail to do anything she didn't want to? Why, that little old gal has a mind all of her own. But then, who was the man in her hotel room? That's what we're going to find out. He's at the plaza. Uh, I just told you that. Oh. Dolan, are you sure you took her home? I certainly am. I wonder what could have happened to her. Plaza Hotel? Miss Abigail Murray, please. One moment. Did she answer? Give her a chance, will you? Well? Well? No answer yet. I'm sorry, sir, but Miss Murray is not in her room. You wish to leave a message? Yeah, yeah. Have her call Ross Dolan when she comes in. Yes, sir. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, did you see Miss Murray a little earlier this evening with a man? A man? Uh, let me think. Oh, yes. I saw her earlier. She came in with a big, beefy character wearing a wrinkled gray suit and a brown hat. Would you know him, sir? I would. It happens to be me. Oh, no, sir. You mean it was I. It was me, and don't you forget it. She's not there, is she? No. And the clerk doesn't seem to remember her going out. Hmm. Well, in that case, Mr. Dolan, I'm sorry I bothered you. Good night. Boy, she certainly was in a hurry. I wonder... Hey, Miss Murray, Miss Murray, I want to ask you if... I never did find out what hit me, but from the size of the bump on my noggin when I woke up, I figured it was at least the Santa Fe chief or a constellation full speed ahead. The first thing that greeted my sight when I opened my eyes was a pair of black shoes. I let my eyes travel upwards. 
All right, Dolan, what did you do with her? Do with whom? Abigail Murray. She's disappeared. That's what I like about you, Carter. You always bring out the news when it's a day old. Get on your feet. I want to ask you some questions. You've just got no mercy at all. Hey, let me shake the ache out of my gray matter. Well, what happened up here? Somebody slug you? No, 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 no. I, I just butted my head against the wall. I, I do it all the time. Now then, what happened to Abigail Murray? You know as much as I do, Carter. You know about the car disappearing? Her car? Well, you took care of that. I sent the wagon out to pick up the body. They brought in the body, and the garage man sent a truck out after the car. When he got there, it was gone. Well, you got me. This is the first I've heard about that. I called Miss Murray at her hotel. She had gone. No one had seen her leave. Now, Dolan, just what goes on around here? What's the gag? I told you I don't know. I called her, too. Her niece was up here looking for her. Her what? Her niece, uh, Faye Murray. Niece, huh? Well, what's wrong with that? We checked on Abigail Murray at Norwalk, and she hasn't got a father or mother, no brothers and no sisters. So obviously she couldn't have a niece. Mm. So what are you trying to give me? A little information on what happened after I took Abigail Murray to the Plaza Hotel. I came home, was here an hour when her niece showed up. I'm trying to tell you Abigail Murray doesn't have a niece. So the girl just said she was her niece. Give me a description on the way downtown. I'll get out a call on him. On the way downtown? Where am I going now? We're going to the morgue. I want you to take another look at Richard Way. It uh, couldn't wait till morning, huh? I want you to see that body before it disappears, too. I began to think about a number of things regarding Abigail Murray. Also, Faye Murray, the niece who wasn't a niece. Who was she? And why was she looking for Miss Abigail? Then we pulled up in front of the morgue, got out of the car, and went in. Did you take anything out of the dead man's pocket, Dolan? The first thing I learned as a private detective was to leave that strictly alone. Why? I just wondered. In here. Say, uh, who's the guy over there? You'll find out in due time. Okay, take a look. This the man you found in the back of your car? Yep. Sure? You can make a positive identification? Yep. I remember where the bullet struck. Also his face. Uh-huh. Mr. Way, would you mind stepping this way, please? Uh, yes. I must be seeing double. This can't be. Well, Dolan, what do you say now? Well, this guy must be the dead man's twin brother. I've... Never seen such a resemblance before. That's right. This is John Way, Richard Way's twin brother, Ross Dolan. Mr. Dolan? Now oh. then, Mr. Way, uh, mind telling me again, when did you see your brother last? About 7 o'clock. He said he had an errand and left the apartment. Did he mention his appointment with Miss Murray? No, he didn't. You have no idea how your brother's body got in the back of Miss Murray's car? None whatsoever. Okay, thanks, Mr. Way. We'll call you if we need you. Thank you. Say, you want any more from me, Carter? No, just be around where I can find you. Well, I'll be home. Say, by the way, uh, have you checked the bullet holes in Miss Murray's car to see if they match with the bullet in the dead man? I'd love to, but we haven't found the car yet. Say, uh, when you do, Carter, I've got a little bet for you. Yes? I'll give you two to one, they match. I walked out of the morgue onto the street, leaving a very puzzled Carter standing there but no more puzzled than a private eye named Dolan. The street was dark and forbidding. 
The lights in that district were black with age, and the buildings were dark and gloomy. I wondered how one twin felt when the other one died, because I'd read stories about the invisible threads which bound such people together. Then I felt a hand on my arm. Dolan, wait. Well, Miss Faye Murray, or uh, have you switched to another name by this time? Dolan, I've come to ask a favor. A big one. And I'm going to ask one of you. Just turn around and walk back into that morgue. There's a cop there named Carter who'd just love to meet please, you. Please, please, Dolan, listen to me. Forget all about Miss Abigail. You mean your aunt? Or uh, aren't you the niece who isn't the niece? I can't explain anything to you right now, but if you'll promise me something, I'll tell you the whole story in a few days. Well, that's so kind of you. I get shot at, hit over the head, dragged around by the police, lose sight of my client, and you want me to wait. What for? This is a matter of life and death, Dolan. I'm asking you to forget about everything that's happened. So? Because if you don't, somebody else will die, too. Faye Murray, if she was Faye Murray, had one great trick. She could disappear like nothing I've ever seen before. By the time I opened my mouth to ask another question, she'd melted away like a bonbon on a hot rock. I went down towards a lighted corner and ten minutes later was in a taxi cab. I retraced the same route I'd taken earlier with Miss Abigail, and when the cab got to the spot where the shooting had occurred, I got out and looked around. But there was nothing to look at, so I got going again. I remembered Miss Abigail mentioning the address of Richard Way. It was 327 Kendall, on the other side of the park. I got out a block away. I stood there until the blinking red taillight had disappeared around the corner. I wanted to be sure no one had followed me. Then I made my way inside the apartment building and got the apartment number off the mailbox. I didn't care to announce my presence, so I took it very easy going up the stairs. The apartment building was as quiet as the grave, and the word grave reminded me of the dead man lying down in the morgue. When I got to the door of the apartment I was looking for, I could hear voices. John Way and Faye Murray, but they were too low to make out. So I looked for another method of getting in on the know. The apartment was one of those two-bedroom and bath affairs with a separate door for the kitchen. I moved inside through the kitchen. The two voices grew in intensity as I moved towards the living room door. John, John, you promised. Of course I did, my dear. Of course I did. That was to get you back here. But you told me if I got rid of Dolan, you'd take care of everything. You'd let Miss Abigail go. Oh, and so I am, my dear. I'm going to take care of everything. You know, I could go to the police. I could tell them the whole story. In your present condition, I hardly think so. In that case, I'll scream. I'll yell as loud as... You little fool, you make one sound or I'll kill you right now. I took a chance and moved closer. What I saw surprised me because the girl was tied in her chair, hand and foot, while John Way held his hand over her mouth. I started inside, but he was quicker than I was. Put up your hands. One move and I shoot. Dolan, I told you. You, come here. Sure. So, you just couldn't take Faye's advice. You had to come around here snooping, huh? I'm beginning to figure a lot of things, Way. You killed your brother. Well, you're very observing. Where's Abigail Murray? What'd you do with her? Oh? Oh? You want to know where Abigail Murray is, do you? Yeah. 
You know, I think I'll arrange for you to find out. I'll go a step further. I'll arrange for you to go with her. Well, she's still alive then, huh? Where is she? In the turtle back of her car. I put her there. Say, hey, what's the matter with this guy, Faye? Is he off his crunk? He's... Faye, he... if you say I'm insane, I'll kill you right here. So, that's the way it is. You think I'm insane, too, don't you? Perhaps I am. All my life, it's Richard this, Richard that, Richard the other thing. So I killed him. Now, you're in pretty deep, mister. Better hand me that gun. Oh, you think you're sly, don't you? You think I'm going to just hand it over like that? But I'm not. No? No. No, I've got it all set up. You, Faye, and Abigail are taking a little drive with me. Only I'm coming back alone. You stole the car, huh? Before the cops came back. Of course. That was very clever of me, don't you think? You uh, answered the phone in Abigail Murray's room when Faye called her, didn't you? <laughs> of course. I dropped in to see my old teacher. We were such pals, you know. She always gave me such good marks. <laughs> You're quite a clever guy. Uh, how'd you get her out of the hotel? Down the back way, servant's entrance. No, it's quite deserted. I arranged that, too. Then you came over and conked me on the head, huh? Yes, yes, after I locked up Miss Abigail in the car. Well, you get around, Mr. Way. You see, I followed Faye. I thought she might do something silly like employing you. But I prevailed upon her to forget it. Didn't I, my dear? You lied to me. You told me that if I got rid of Dolan, you'd let Miss Abigail go free. Oh, no. No. What I said was that I'd see that Miss Abigail was free. And she shall be. Because one is free when one is dead. What are you going to do? Drive the car in the river. They'll never find it buried in the mud. They won't find us either. Naturally not. You'll be in the car from now on. You, Faye, and Abigail. And uh, what happens when you try to get me out of here? I could start a raucous. Oh, I have that plan, too. Turn around. What for? I said turn. Okay. Now what happens? I'm going to hit you over the head. Not too hard, but just hard enough to keep you quiet for a while like this. Now drop it! You fool! You think you can make me? I think I can! I was lucky enough to catch John Way with a fast chop to the chin. Then I phoned Carter, who came out with a squad and took John Way down to the clink. At his trial, a group of doctors testified that he was violently and incurably insane. Later, I had a meeting with Miss Abigail and, of course, Faye at the Flamingo. My, my, Mr. Dolan. When I asked you to drive with me that night, I never dreamed that we would become involved in such an adventure. Well, neither did I. What puzzles me is, how did John get hold of my car long enough to put Richard's body in it? Well, he told the doctors at the trial that he saw you take it into a filling station to have it greased. He represented himself as your brother, took the car, put his brother's body in it, and returned it to your hotel. Oh, think of that. Uh, why did he hate you so much, Miss Abby? And, and why uh, hate his brother? You know, I can't understand that. Richard was gay, a good student, well-liked. John was exactly the opposite. Moody, a bad student with violent dislikes. 
It uh, probably gnawed away at his mind until he made it up to get rid of the two people he hated. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, now, let's talk about Faye here. Why the pose is Miss Abigail's niece? Faye, you're merely an old friend. Why did you say you were my niece? Only because I thought it might carry weight with Mr. Dolan. Only I was weighed and found wanting. Oh, purely in a business sense. Uh, try me on the uh, social time sometime. Hmm? Tonight? Uh, the sooner, the better. And of course, I'm coming along, too. Do you know, I've never been to a nightclub. <laughs> I've never even done the, uh, the rumba. Now, 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 take it easy, Miss Abby. Uh, how do you know you like it? Oh, I shall. After all, a girl my age can get into trouble, too. Yeah, you can say that again. Good night, folks. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. Every Man's Theater, written and created by Arch Obler. Catwife, a mystery drama that will give you a thrill a minute. Featuring Betty Winkler and Raymond Edward Johnson. And now here's our writer-creator, Arch Obler, to introduce tonight's 1941-style radio program. Since the time when mankind sat around fires and caves, stories of the mysterious and unusual have been the most welcome. You and I like to be thrilled. So tonight, just for fun, let's listen to the story of a man and his wife. A very unusual wife. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. I got that. I don't know the rest of the Hey, girls, girls, cut it. Cut it out. Linda, for the love of Cut it out, will you? The old man will be tanning in here in a minute. Yeah, so what? Give me my drink, Queenie. Oh, baby, do I feel swell. Hey, look what time it is. Come on, Queenie. We better blow out of here. Yeah. No, no, don't go. Don't go. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> what do you mean, alone? Your husband's here, ain't he? Ah, oh, that guy. What does he know about having fun? Work, work, work. Makes me sicker. I've never been sick before. <laughs> That's pretty good, huh, Kenny? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, stick yeah. around. Let's have some more fun. St. Louis woman with all a diamond hey. ring. <laughs> For heaven's sake, Linda. Well, speak of the devil. Hiya, Johnny boy. Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> Only it ain't water. <laughs> Linda, for heaven's sake, I'm trying to work. Ah, go away. Go away. You're spoiling my party. <laughs> Throw him out of here, Kenny. He's only my husband. Ah, <laughs> uh, Linda, take it easy. Get out of here. You, whatever your name is. Okay. And take that woman okay. with you. Go on, okay. clear out. No, no, go wait. On. Don't listen to him. It's my house. My house. What, you... You kick them out. Linda, my friends. I begged you, you kicked please, with you to keep these people out of this house while I'm trying to get some work done. Haven't you any consideration at all? You kick them out, my friends. Yes, and I'll do it again every time I find them here. They're no good, not a one of them. You've promised me time and time again to give them up. I'll call them back. I'll call them all back. You can't tell me what to do. Not me. They're my friends, mine. I'd give a dozen of you for one of them. All right, Linda. If that's the way you feel... You haven't got a grain of loyalty in you. All I ask is a little peace and quiet in my own home, and I can't even have that. Ah, oh, go away, go night away. Night after night, you and these people yowling and screaming like a pack of alley cats, and you the worst of all. I'm through, Linda. I'm through with you for good. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Keep away from 
Kipu. Oh, Linda. <laughs> you see? You're not through with me at all. You'll never be through with me. Never. Oh, Linda, Linda. Now, let me go. Love let me her. go. I don't want you, you fool. You're not through with me. I'm through with you. No, no. I'm listen. tired of you. Do you hear me? Tired of you. I'm going to get so far away from that smug face of yours, I couldn't see it with a telescope. Linda, my wife. Ha! Your wife. Why do you think I married you? Oh, you... You love me. I married you because I was sick of working in a two-bit barbershop, because I was sick of living in a hall bedroom wearing bargain sale dresses. I wanted dough, plenty of it, all I could get. And you were the best chance to get it that came oh, my no, way. Oh, no, 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 Linda, you did love me. You must have loved me. Oh, well, I loved you about as much as that canary up there loves its cage. I told myself I'd stay with you a year, divorce you, stick you for plenty of alimony, and then get out. We've been married five years. Yeah, five years. Because you fooled me. That's why. I fooled you. Yeah. <laughs> you started to make a lot of money. More money than I ever thought you could make. <laughs> so you're giving me the air. No, huh? no, Linda. I love you. I didn't mean what I said. I didn't. Well, I did. Linda, don't leave me. You're no good. I know you're no good, but heaven help me, I love you. I'll never love anybody else. Get out of my way. No, no, I won't let you go. You've got to stay. Get your hands you're off. You're no me. good. You cost me my self-respect, but you stay with me. You stay with me or I'll cut you off without a cent. You'll never get a dime from me, not a dime. <laughs> Stop that. Stop laughing. Oh, you, Sam. <laughs> you fat-headed Sam. Stop that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're gonna cut me off without a cent, are you? Why, you fool. I've got everything that belongs to you now. You hear me? Everything. What are you talking about? This house. It's in my name, isn't it? The car. It's in my name, isn't oh, it? Oh, no, no, you wouldn't. Oh, wouldn't I? Well, listen to this, my darling husband. I cleaned out the bank account yesterday. Oh, no. Every cent of it. I won't be in the street. Oh, no. You will. Now, this is my house. Get your things and get out of here. I'll kill you. No, you I'll kill you. No, let me go. Let me go. Oh, Touch me again, and I'll tear your eyes out. You. You cat. Get out of my way. That's what you are, a cat. A big, white, heartless cat. Get out of my you way. You think like one, you screech like one, you claw like one. You even look like one. Your eyes, they're cat's eyes. That's what they are, cat's eyes. <laughs> a cat, that's what you are. A white cat. I didn't marry a woman, I married a cat. Keep it up. Laugh Keep at it me. up, you're doing Go well. ahead, laugh at me. You're a cat, a sneaking, yelling cat. A cat, cat. You're a cat. A cat. Cat. You're a cat. Now, that's enough of that. I don't like it. A cat. Stop saying it. A cat, you hear me? A cat. John. Stop. Staring at me like that. Stop staring at me. John. What's happening to me? John, my head. I can hardly see. I... John, help me. John. Linda. What are you staring at? What are you staring at? What are you. Linda! Linda!
now, now, John, you've got to control yourself. Everything will be all right. Doctor, what have I done? What have I done? John, please. Please pull yourself together. I can't. You are not entirely to blame for what happened. I did it. I'm to blame. What will I do? What will I do? Stop talking like that. It's preposterous to say you are to blame. She was in a hysterical condition. I know, I know. The suggestion that she was a cat caught her in an unguarded moment and resulted in, in temporary neurosis. But she... Doctor, can I go in and see her? But I tell you, she's sleeping. I, I know, but... Doctor, I've got to see her. I've got to look at her. I've got to make sure she's all right. Don't you see? I've got to make sure. Now, John, please. You've had a hard time of it. You'd better get to bed and get some rest. No, no. Doctor, listen to me. I've got to see her again. I've got to make sure she's all right. I can't rest until I know. But I tell you... Oh, very well. Just for a moment. Yes. Be very quiet. Yes. There. You see? She's resting very nicely. Doctor, look. What? Her hands. Look at her hands. And her teeth. Linda. No. No, John. You, you'll wake her. John. Linda. Oh, doctor, listen to her, listen to her. Steady, John. I can't stand it, I tell you. Doctor, what is it? What's happening to her? I don't know, John. I don't know. Oh, listen to her. What'll I do? What'll I do? Fingers into claws. Teeth into fangs. It can't be happening. But it is. And yet I've seen it with my own eyes. You've got to do something, Doctor. You've got to. You're my friend. You've got to help me. But what? In the name of all that's rational, what? Well, think. There must be something you can do, a, a drug, something, something. Oh, John, I I don't know what to say. I can't think. I'll call in someone else. Yes, that's it. I'll inform the authorities. They'll take care of everything. No, no, no. Wait, Doctor, wait. What's the matter? What is it? You, uh... You're going to inform the authorities? Yes, yes, of course. Don't you see, my boy, it's the simplest way out of this. Way out? Of course, of course. For you and for me. What do you mean? This horrible thing that's happened to Linda, it goes beyond just you and me. It goes beyond the, the normal into the supernatural. The world should know about it. No, no, I stop. You mean you're going to let everyone know what's happened to Linda? Of course I am. But you can't do that. She's my wife. Do you hear me, my wife? No, no, now, now don't get excited again, John. Listen sensibly. We owe it to science. Science? Who cares about science? She's Linda. She's my wife. And I cursed her to God, and I turned her into a yowling beast. It's my shame, mine. And you're not going to tell anyone else about it. No one. It's my duty, John. I must inform the authorities. No, no. Keep away from that phone. Keep away, I say. I'm sorry, John. I must call. John. My friend. while we get our breath back, and, well, I, for one, need a breathing spell, well, let me remind you of those dazzling snowy white washes Oxidol gets every week. 
as much as 9 to 11 tintometer shades whiter than soap after soap we tested it against. Yet washable colored things come out bright and lovely looking wash after wash. It's easy on hands, too. It doesn't harm your manicure or ruin your fresh nail polish. All these things Oxidol promises and will give you if you use it Monday. Try to sleep, darling. Try to sleep. Yes, yes, I know, I know, darling, but it's almost morning. You must rest. Sleep, Linda, sleep, my darling. <laughs> All right. All right, darling, I won't cry. I've got to be strong. I've got to help you. And I did help you. He was going to tell them about you. Everyone. They'd have taken you away from me, locked you up, pointed at you, laughed at you. But I stopped him, Linda. I stopped him for you. He called me friend. But you're my wife, beloved. And I love you. I pleased you, haven't I, my darling? I never could please you before, could I? But now I've pleased you. I'll tell them he never came here and no one will ever know, darling. No one but you and I. What is it, darling? What's the matter? Why are you getting up? What is it? Why go to the window? What do you want out there? Oh, if I could only understand you. If I could only know what you're trying to say to me. Oh, no. Linda. Linda, stop. On my knees, I'm begging you to stop. Linda, beloved. Stop. 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 Yes, I'm coming, I'm coming. Good morning, Mr. Taylor. Oh, it's you. I found this note saying you wanted to talk to me. Jay, I hope you're not going to quit taking milk from me. Uh, no, no, Taylor. no, I'm not going to stop taking milk. That's what I wanted to see you about. I, uh, I want milk. More milk. Cream. Everything. Well, sure, sure. How much do you want? Uh, four bottles of milk. No, 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 six. Six? Yes, and cream. Six bottles of cream. Is, uh, is something wrong, Mr. Taylor? Wrong? Why do you think something's wrong? Well, I... I only meant You meant to... what? Speak up, you meant what? Well, don't get sore, Mr. Taylor. I just meant... Well, you don't look so well, and... Uh, well, you know how it is. Sometimes a fellow has a couple too many and starts ordering all the milk in the world. You fool, I'm not drunk. Do you want some of that milk, or do I have to get another milk? No, no, I'll get it for you. I'll get it for well, you. Well, hurry, hurry. Six quarts, six cream. Only him and his old lady. <laughs> the guy's nuts. <laughs>
Mr. Taylor. Early again this morning, ain't you? Morning. <laughs> my first customer every morning for the last three days. I was saying to my wife this yes, morning... Yes, yes, Mr. Heinrich, some other time. I'm in a hurry. My order, please. Sure, but you didn't give me an order yet. How about a nice broiling steak? Uh, no, no, nothing like that. But broiling No, steak. stop it. I'm in a hurry, I tell you. All right, all right. You, you don't have to get so excited, Mr. Taylor. Now, if you'll tell me what you want, I'll get it for you. Oh, well, I, uh... I don't know exactly. A couple of pounds of fresh liver. Yes, that's it, fresh liver. What? Again? You heard me? Oh, sure, I heard you, but... But look here, for, for three days now, ever since your wife went away, you, you eat nothing but liver. Are you going to fill my order? Sure, sure, I'll fill your order. <clears throat> nice and fresh, huh? <laughs> so, uh, two pounds, yeah. <clears throat> there we are. <laughs> Say, you'd think you was raising cats or something. What? Why do you say that? Well, you, you buy liver every day. <laughs> oh, this morning I, I caught a couple of mice in a trap. Maybe you'd like to take them along for the cat, too. Huh? Don't say that! Don't say that! Mr. Taylor, the, li the liver... Uh, forgot. Uh, man's crazy, what did I say that was wrong? Cats like to eat mice. Oh, my Linda. My dearest Linda, close to me, so close to me. Oh, my darling, my darling, it's better this way. You can't leave me now. I'll have you with me always. I'll keep you here. Yes, just you and I. I won't answer it. They'll go away. All right. All right, I'll answer it. Linda, it can't be anyone that knows. He's dead. I buried him, Linda. You know that. No, no. No, stay here, my beloved. They mustn't see you. Be very quiet. Yes, yes, I'm coming, I'm coming. Well, what is it, what is it? Uh, are you the owner of this building? Yes, yes, what do you want? Uh, Kerrigan's the name. I, I'm your neighbor. I've got the place across the alley from you. Oh, my, my neighbor? Uh, yeah, Kerrigan's the name. I, I'm with the department. Department? Yeah, I'm desk sergeant at the 3rd District Station. A policeman? Yeah, I'm off duty today, so I thought I'd drop over and speak to you. Uh, do you mind if I step in for a moment? Step in? Oh, no. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you got a nice place here. Uh, yes, yes. Nice. Very nice. You know, the same contractors made this place as made mine. You didn't know that, I bet. Uh, no, no, I didn't. Yeah, an Irishman by the name of Gil Hooley. Sure. Jumped out of the 10th story window, they tell me, the day after the stock market crash. Sure. 
Lucky for him, too. If he was alive now, some of the people along here that bought places from him would murder him. What with the trouble they're having? Oh, trouble? Yeah, cheap material, plastic, cracking, floor sagging, stuff like that. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Now, you take my place. I've had to have a new roof put on and new gutters put in, and I never know what'll go wrong next. Anything wrong around here? Here? Oh, no, 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 nothing at all. Well, then you're lucky. Say... What's the matter? Uh, I just remember why I come over. If you don't mind, I'll tell you. Yes? Now, it ain't me that's complaining, Mr. Taylor. I'm the kind of a man that can sleep in a boiler factory. But it's my error. Ah, there's a light sleeper for you. I always say that if a star in heaven twinkles too much, the noise wakes up my error. What, uh, what's the trouble? Oh, no trouble at all, Mr. Taylor. Like I'm telling you, I'm the last man in the world to go around having trouble with me neighbors. But... You know how the women are, always finding something to make a fuss about. Oh, say, I'm not disturbing her, am I? Disturbing? Yeah, you know, your missus. She's not sleeping in the bedroom there, is she? Uh, no, 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 of course not. There's no one in there. Uh, I thought maybe seeing the daughter's clothes. No, no, I tell you, there's no one in there. My, my wife is out of town. Ah, well, that's fine. I always like to talk things over man to man without the women around. <laughs> That's why I made my Ella stay home. Let me handle this, I says. If there's anything wrong, I says, let me do the talking and we'll stay good. What is it? What's wrong? What do you want to tell me? Well, to put it plain, it's the cat. Cat? Yeah, the cat. You just got it, didn't you? You... You had a cat? Yeah, it started a few nights ago. Now, it ain't disturbed me none, like I says, but my Ella... (laughs) Well, you see, our bedroom window faces right on the alley, and by golly, she hears every meow that animal makes. You... you're wrong. Huh? I have no cat. (laughs) But my Ella heard... I heard it too, for that matter. I have no cat. But I'm telling you, it came from this house. I tell you, I have no cat. Isn't that sufficient? Well, now, seeing as you put it so plain, I'll be speaking up plain myself. I'm telling you, I heard a cat yowling last night, and the night before, and the night before that. And as sure as me name's Thomas Kerrigan, it came right from this house. Now, what do you say to that? Get out. Now, wait a second, me bucko. Get on your high horse. Get out. Get out of my house. Well, you sure are making a lot of noise about nothing, young fella. But it's your house, and if that's the kind of a neighbor you want to be, I guess I can... What? What are you standing there for? Get out. Get out. Now, just a minute. Take it easy. No cat, eh? Well, what was that I just heard? Nothing. Nothing at all. You've got no right to be coming. You may not be a liar, but you're sure of something close to it. If that ain't a cat in that bedroom there, then I ain't never heard a cat. Get out! Get out of here! Oh, no, I won't. Listen to that cat. If that ain't creating a public nuisance, I'd like to know what it is. It's none of your business. Get out of here. This is my house. Get out of here! Stop pulling at me, bucko. I may be off duty, but I'm still an officer of the law, and I'm telling you, that cat in there is violating the city ordinance. Now, if you don't make it shut up, disturbing me, Ella, I will. Stay away from that door. Stay away from that door. Say, listen to it. That ain't no cat you got in there. Yes, yes, I lied. It is a cat. It's just a cat. But I'll make it be quiet. But go away. Go away. Now, wait a minute. Take it easy. If it's just a cat, what are you getting so excited about? Just look at no, her. No, no. Look at her. Your eyes blazing. What's going on here? I think I'll have a look. No, no. Stay away. No. Oh, no. No. Get away. Take it away. I told you. I told you to go. My gun. 
I'll get my gun. My gun. Linda. Linda, did you hear him? His gun. Yes. Close to me. Yes, darling, stay close to me. If he comes back, you'll... No. No, they won't hurt you. I won't let them. I did this to you. I did. I cursed you to God. No, they won't hurt you. They won't. Wait there. Wait there. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. They won't hurt you, Linda. No, they can't. I've got it. Now they won't hurt you, Linda. I swear it. They won't ever hurt you. No. No, don't look at my hand. No, why shouldn't you look at it? Yes. There's a gun in my hand. But not to hurt you, darling. It's just to help you. I swear it. To help you. Yes. Yes, so close to me. I must do it quickly. Quickly. No. No, don't. Don't try to pull away. No, no, Linda. Stay here. I must hold you. I must. He'll be back in a moment. I mustn't miss. Linda. My darling. I heard my beloved. I heard you. Wait for me, my beloved. This is Arch Oveler. Tonight's play, Catwife, featured Betty Winkler and Raymond Edward Johnson. Music by Gordon Jenkins. <sighs> About next week. Well, the actors, two of our favorites, Mr. and Mrs. Houston, Walter Houston and Ann Sunderland. The play, a story of two people who perhaps lived in your own town, who lived a strange, excitement-filled life that you perhaps knew nothing about. The title of the play... Mr. and Mrs. Chump. Thank you, and good night. Every Man's Theater is written and created by Arch Obler.
The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday, at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us, here on Sid Valley Radio.